I had so much fun putting that rolling together. And by the way, um, uh, Bryce had to explain that joke to me. So, and it, it, once I understood it, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I got it. I got it. But it took me a minute. Um, okay, so last week we said this, enter the power of a metaphor. So uh, a metaphor is simply a figure of speech, um, and it helps us understand something that we don't really understand, and it helps us by, by comparing it to something that we do understand. And so um, it seems to me that one of the favorite metaphors that Jesus used over and over again was that of uh, us as these kind of helpless, um, uh, um, sometimes stupid, <laughs> not, not uh, that intelligent sheep. He compares us to that, to a sheep, and he compares himself to a shepherd to help us understand um, some things that, that are hard, difficult for us to understand. Now, that is the very reason why we stated this week, this last week, that you can trust Jesus, who is our shepherd, and we said we can trust him because he sacrificed his life for his sheep. So in this comparison, this metaphor that Jesus used, that's what he said. And to reach that point for us, to have that kind of trust in our shepherd, the sheep must be able to know the heart, the intention of the shepherd. And really the only way for that to happen is for us uh, to get to know Jesus, our shepherd, to get to know him more and more and more, and that's by his sign. Um, and it's only then, once we get to know him that well, that we are able to step out then and, and trust him. And, and especially when other things in our life are not adding up, not turning out the way we hoped they would turn out or the way we thought they would, that's difficult for us to trust. But when we know the heart of our shepherd, we can trust even when those things don't add up. So Jesus used this sheep metaphor, um, and he uses it many times in Scripture. Now, that was Jesus. Today, Cole in Stuttgart and me here, we are also going to use sheep metaphor, only this time it's not the words of Jesus. We're, Cole and I are using this metaphor, and then, uh, then we are going to go to the words of Jesus so in just a moment. But so for today, for the metaphor that Cole and I are using regarding sheep, let's just say that there are basically two kinds of sheep, okay, in this metaphor. We have woolies, you know, goodness, I, I, uh, I got some wool. This is actual, I'm going to toss this out because I want you guys to feel it. That is actual wool from a sheep. That is super soft. Yeah, how would you like a shirt out of that? Nice, nice. Okay, Bentley, we're coming at you. Got it? Isn't that nice? Oh, that is actual wool. I know it may not look like it. Oh, it does to me. looks like wool. Um, but it's actual wool. So we have woolies who are, uh, you know, that it sounds nice because it's uh, very soft. It's, um, I, I don't want to put this down. It feels so good. <laughs> um, I might get some underwear made out of this. This would, this would, that is pretty amazing. Um, so we have woolies that are nice and soft. That sounds pretty good. But then we also have the sacrificed sheep. Yikes. Yeah, Jacob, I'm with you. That doesn't sound so nice. I'm not sure about that one. But we got woolies, we got sets. So those are the two types of sheep in our metaphor that Cole and I are using today. Woolies. Um, you know, they offer up uh, a few things to the shepherd. I mean, they're not completely useless. <laughs> um, woolies 
they offer up some trimmings. They'll offer up a little bit of wool because obviously they're going to grow it back. They can spare plenty of wool. So the woolies are going to offer up something to Jesus. Um, There's enough wool to go around so that Jesus can have some and they can keep some for themselves. That's the woolly. Um, Give a little bit, keep a little bit. It's kind of an exchange. So they're going to give Jesus a little bit of this. Here's what I'm offering you, Jesus. And in exchange, I'm going to I'm going to receive, I'm going to take everything that you have to offer me. I'm going to take it all. It's almost as if this little bit, this little bit of wool that I give you, Jesus, um, allows me the opportunity to dive into the treasure box that Jesus has, full of treasures. So it's kind of like this mentality here. We say, um, all right, Jesus, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to toss you a little bit of wool here, um, and uh, this is what I'm going to give you today. All right, here's here's your wool for today. Um, listen, you can use it. You could go make a sweater. Make it. You could make you a nice hat or a scarf. Um, I, I'm going to give you plenty of wool to do that, Jesus. So you go on and do that, and Jesus, you are welcome. You are welcome. I'm so glad. I'm so glad to offer that to you. You're welcome. And, and as I hear that, as ridiculous as that sounds, to me, it also sounds a little bit familiar to my own life. Ah, but the sacrificed sheep, the one that makes Jacob and I go, yikes, the sacrificed sheep, that is different. And here's why. The sacrifice sheep in our metaphor doesn't just offer Jesus a little bit of wool. The sacrifice sheep in our metaphor actually offers Jesus everything. The sacrifice sheep has given Jesus his or her heart, which has been captured by the heart of our shepherd. The sacrifice sheep does not trade just a, a, a little bit of themselves for everything that he has to offer us. No, 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 no. They give their entire self. So in this metaphor today, we have one that gives a little something, and we have another one that gives it all. One just gets a little cheering. The other one is involved in a sacrifice. So, giving it all or just tossing a little floss to Jesus? As I look at my life, I have to ask that question of myself. And honestly, it's possible that you might be thinking right now, as I am thinking of myself right now, and thinking, which one am I? Which one of those two am I? How often in my life have I just offered enough of myself to Jesus? Just enough, you know? Just enough to think that I've done what I needed. How often have I done that in offering myself just so really I could feel okay about it? I could feel better. And how many times, in spite of everything that I claim that Jesus has done for me, Have I said, here you go, Jesus. Make a nice hat with that. This is enough to make us square. And by the way, Jesus, welcome. 
I mean, when we do offer Jesus something, I, it feels pretty good. It feels good to offer him something, a, a little attention. Um, you know, it gives us maybe a pat on the back. We can get a good reputation if we continue to offer Jesus a little something, especially if people see it. See, this kind of sounds familiar, familiar, because so often, even a little bit that we give Jesus, we might pretend that it's not just a little. We're actually giving him a lot. Instead of just a little, we might actually pretend that we're giving him the whole thing, the whole sacrifice. I, I think we're all pretty good making ourselves look or feel a little more sacrificial, maybe. We actually are. A little more spiritual. Guess what? That's actually nothing. Um, we're not going to put this verse on the screen. I, I just want to describe to you something that happened in the book of Acts, chapter 5. It was just a few years uh, after Jesus had finished his ministry here on earth, means he he was uh, he died for us, he was buried, he walked out of the tomb alive, and then he rose again back to heaven uh, where he actually still is today. So just a few years after that happened, there was this couple in the church, and their, uh, their names were Ananias and Sapphira. And this couple sold a piece of property, and they were giving the money to the church. Um, now, as they, they sold it, and but here's where they ran into a problem. It wasn't giving the money to the church, and, and really, it wasn't the amount that they gave um, that was a big deal. We don't know how much it was. We just know that they gave a part, and the part they gave could have been substantial. I mean, it may have been enough, the, the, little, the part they gave, however much. It could have been so substantial that maybe it turned some heads. And they could have really done something significant in the church with that money. Very, very possible. So the amount could have been very significant. That wasn't the problem. The problem was they gave part. They gave some. But they told the church and the church leaders and everyone. They told them that they gave it all. In other words, not just part, they said, we gave it all. That seems to be a problem. They claimed that they gave it all. Now, come on. We're looking at that, and yes, it makes them look good, whatever amount they gave. Makes them look real spiritual, and, and they may have even felt like we're true followers. I mean, look what we have done. Look what we gave. But the truth is, they tried to pull the wool over the eyes of the apostle. Thank you, Cheyenne. <laughs> I appreciate that. They tried to pull the wool over the eyes of the apostles. That's what they were doing. So, they didn't tell they tried to pass off something that was part, and they tried to pass it off as if it were all in. The truth is, it's part. Now you might ask, okay, Harley, what is the big deal? 
kind of going on and on about this. What's the big deal? So yes, married couple 2,000 years ago. Yes, they, they, they stretched the truth. They got a few attaboys that maybe they didn't deserve all of them. But they got a few extras. So what? What is the big deal about that? Well, based on the events that follow in the life of Ananias and Sapphira, based on the events that come next, this evidently, while it may not have been serious to us, this was serious to God. And I'll let you go look that story up. You can read it on your own and come to your own conclusion. It's in Acts chapter 5. But here's the point. God wants all of us. He wants our all. That's what He desires. And it appears from what we see in Scripture that is the kind of relationship that our Savior, our Creator, is a, a, a relationship between God and us, His creation, that looks more like a relationship maybe that you would see between friends. And there's a lot of truth to that statement because Jesus actually uses that phrase Himself. He says to us in Scripture, He says, I no longer call you slaves, I call you friends. That's significant. I mean, I can't help but believe that Jesus wants to know us so well as friends that we could finish each other's sandwiches, right, and sentences. But sadly, for so many of us, that's, that's not the way it happens. That's not how it turns out. That's not the relationship that we are actually experiencing Jesus. because. We're kind of stuck in sheer caution. That's where we're stuck. Rather than sacrifice abandon. Now, today, we're going to look at the brutal reality. I, I know you may be tired of that since we spent a lot of time in January looking at the brutal reality of America. But we're going to be asking a question this morning that... Um, that is perhaps going to help us have a better understanding. And here's, here's basically the question we're going to be asking. Are we sheep just tossing a little wool to Jesus, or are we sheep sacrificing our all and placing the, the full of our lives into the trusted friend's hand? So here's a news flash for us. America, pretty amazing. It's a great country. We are so blessed. It is one of a kind, a land of opportunity. So think about it. We have the option to make a decision at any time. Um, this, this one transaction, one decision at a time, and we have the ability to kind of through those decisions to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and we can create a life that we've been dreaming of. That can happen in America. But the way America's kingdom works is not the way God's kingdom works. That makes it hard for us to comprehend. See, America's kingdom works on transactions. And it's a, great, it's a great kingdom. It's a great system. We work on transactions. You give a little bit. I give a little bit, right? 
I work a little, you work a little, or I work a lot and you work a lot, right? We work and we come together and we make uh, arrangements and agreements and we trade off and it's one transaction after another. It is a great system, but God's kingdom works completely different. It doesn't work on transactions. It works on sacrifice. I just have to wonder if the ultimate reason For us, following Jesus so half-heartedly and indifferently is simply because we can. Or at least, think we We honestly think that we're getting away with it, kind of like Ananias and Sapphira. Here's the thing with all in is really all that Not half in, not part in, not a little in, not kind of in. Now I want to kind of give you a warning about what's coming here. What we're getting ready to read in Scripture, it's something that Paul uh, is going to ask of us. And it is tough what he's asking. And it caused some of the people in the first century, it caused them to kind of pull back on the reins of the donkey a little bit. And it might cause us kind of tap break as it comes to us following It could do that for us. But regardless, here's what Paul said. And he does not sugarcoat this. Goes straight in. And this is a letter that he wrote to all the believers who lived in Rome. Here's what he says. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. This is interesting. It's like, you know, if you know and really know that you have something that is really powerful, that is really important and could really make a difference in somebody's life, you don't just say, um, hey, guys, um, I don't know if you got a little spare time, maybe, perhaps you might just check this out. If you, No, no, no. You know you've got something. You plead with them. You're almost begging them. And here's what Paul is pleading. He says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Not a body part. Not just some of us. Not just tossing him a little bit of our lives. No, 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 no. He wants our full body. Not a segment. He wants the whole thing. He wants every bit. Everything inside of me, everything inside of this giant head that I've got, everything in there, and he wants everything outside of me. He wants the whole thing. Ears, my eyes, my mouth, my heart, my hands, my feet, my thoughts, my mind, everything my hand touches, everything that passes through my life, he wants it all. And we might say, okay, okay, Paul, listen, why should I do that? Why should I give God everything about me? I mean, listen, Paul, that's a pretty big sacrifice. You're asking a lot. Can you at least give me a reason? And Paul says, cause of all he has done for you. Uh, yeah, 
All right, Paul. Thanks for the guilt trip. Gotcha. Paul is saying, I'm pleading with you. Do this because of everything that God has done proves that he is trustworthy. It's like Paul is saying, just look at the cross. You can see what he did. Just look what he has done. Look at the empty tomb. All of that. Jesus did that for you. And because he did that for you, Paul could say, I'm now telling you, you can give him your all, your entire self, everything about you, outside and everything inside. You can give it all because you can trust him. Here's kind of the bottom line of that. Students, so important. So important. College students, high school students, middle school students, junior high students, this is so important. Don't miss it. We don't want to, especially at that age. Now, parents, adults are probably going to say, yeah, yeah, I understand. We don't want to give Jesus our all, our hands, our feet, our ears, what we see with our eyes, what we think about in our mind, what we do on our dates. We don't want to give that to Jesus because we don't trust with our we don't trust that what we give him is going to meet the needs in our lives the way we want to see it just don't trust Jesus I'll trust you with my eternity but I'm not going to trust you with my Friday night or my Saturday night I'll trust you with the end game but I'm not going to trust that. I, I, I will never forget. I've, I've gone so far off script. I apologize, Michael, and to everybody else. We, I, I will never forget sitting in Arkadelphia as a, as a student at a camp that we had uh, one summer at, at, uh, at, a, at a college. And I, I just remember, and this was like after hours. It was the meeting after the meeting. So we were kind of gathered up in, in a room of uh, an intern, actually, the in ministry intern. And we were listening, we were talking, we were listening to him talking, talking about this topic. I did not want had to say, because I already had plans for that year. Oh, I had plans. <laughs> I had really great plan. Me and I can't remember, I don't know if I had a girlfriend or not, but she was in my plans. <laughs> I planned on having a girlfriend. I think I already did, but I just ha I had these plans. I had these plans, how my life was going to go, what this year was going to be like in my life, how, how things were going to happen. And then I was listening to this intern talk, and he was describing um, what God's plan they were not the same as my plan. And I'll be honest with you, they weren't that my parents didn't know about these plans. You're like thinking, yeah, my parents didn't know any of my plans either. Right? My parents didn't know. Had I listened to my parents, I would have had different plans. Had I listened to God, I would have had a different plan. I was not trusting God with any of that. I wanted, I wanted to say, God, 
You can have a whole bunch of things in my life, some really important things. I'm not going to have that. I'm going to save that for myself. Then Paul goes on. He says, let them, your whole body, everything about you, be a living and holy sacrifice. And this is the point that the people in Rome began to pull back the donkey reins. This is the point at which we begin to tap the brakes. But they really did. Because they understood better than we will ever understand. They understood sacrifice. They saw it all the time. In fact, every, all the Jews understood sacrifice, but so did every pagan religion in that day. They all understood it because they all had sacrifices. For them, it was a part of life. They understood. They knew what it was about. And hey, there's something else that they understood about a sacrifice. The animal never survived. They understood that. They knew that a sacrificial sheep died every single time. So with that in mind, consider again what Paul is saying when he says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. Put that in the context of what they knew about sacrifice and suddenly this becomes very heavy. For you and for me, sacrifice, Yeah, there's sacrifice, but listen, I've got good news for us. Good news. We don't actually have to die. Great news, but I've got some bad news. We do die. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? We we do die. Stay with me. Here's where we're going. Paul is saying clearly there's a a very specific type of sacrifice here that Paul is talking about, and, and Jesus describes it as well. So let's look at the words of Jesus and him describing the sacrifice in Luke 9. Then he, that's Jesus, he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, he said, and follow me. So in an effort to be 100% clear, we want you to understand the sacrifice that Paul wrote about and the sacrifice that Jesus described right here, it is a death to myself and my selfishness. Okay, now let's go back to Paul. So Paul continues. Here's what he says next. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. It is the kind that he will find acceptable. Don't let that slip past you. So that we can be very, very clear here. What is exactly acceptable to Jesus concerning his sheep? That's you and that's me. What is acceptable? And here's what Paul is saying. It is an all-in sacrifice. It is a total submission from you and from me. All-in. Holding nothing back. Saving nothing for myself. It is all-in. The sacrifice of self. It appears. Don't miss this. It appears that that sacrifice of self is the only option that's acceptable. Then Paul doubles down on this. He doesn't let up. Here's what he says. This is truly 
the way to worship him. See, offering Jesus a little something, something. Paul says that's not how you worship Jesus. I mean, that's what American Christianity says. American Christianity says, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Just give him enough to look good. Give him enough, you know, to make yourself feel good about it. Give him enough so that you're not inconvenienced really all that much. Paul's saying here, no, 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 that's not it. That's not it at all. That's how everyone else lives, is what Paul says. He says this, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Don't copy what the world says. The rest of the world believes, oh, you can just toss him a little floss. You'll be okay. Just, just hand him some. Just, just give him enough. But you can always save a little for yourself. You can always hold back some things. Yeah, that, that's going to satisfy him. But Paul says, no, no, no. Not going to satisfy him. He goes on. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Oh, I find that so important. So important. See, the truth is, Jesus the shepherd has an actual plan for the sheep. He really does. He's got a plan. But if we don't trust him and his plan, that's when we say, oh, okay, Jesus, you can have some, but I'm going to I'm going to make decisions related to this. I'll let you related to my career. Yeah, you can have that, Jesus. My career, that's important. You can have my career. When it comes to her or him, eh, no, no, I got that. I'll handle that. I'll give you the heavy stuff, Jesus. I'll take this little stuff over here. He actually has a plan for and he says, as we sacrifice our whole selves to him, we come to understand more and more of what that plan is. And it is good, a good plan. And it is pleasing. And in Paul's words, he says, it is a perfect plan. Doesn't it sound like that Paul is saying that a living, sacrificed life Sounds like this. Jesus, you are my master. Jesus, I'm going to trust you with all of me, all the parts that make me, me. And it sounds like he's saying that, that uh, you know, the, the woolly life with just a little shearing here and there would say, oh, Jesus, I trust you. Some, but really, I have a different master. Usually, that master is me. Now, earlier in the very same letter that he wrote to the believers in Rome, Paul addresses this same topic. But this time, instead of taking the perspective of the sacrificed sheep, he takes the perspective of the woolly sheep who is just tossing Jesus some floss. And I want to read to you. So here's what he said previously. This is in Romans chapter 6. Here's what he said. Paul saying, Do not offer, in other words, 
There's a transaction being made. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin. And I, I love this because in this passage, he's personifying sin. He's personifying sin like it's living, breathing, uh, a, a real being. And as I think about that, that's not all that crazy. Not all that crazy because I know this in my life. I bet you know this as well, that when I am struggling with a decision or struggling with a thought, there is something inside of me and something inside of you that is directing us toward that thing that I want. There's something kind of pushing me in the opposite direction of God's plan. Something is in me doing that, and I bet it does it for you. And that's something that is inside of us that is trying to move us away from God's plan. That's something that is trying to get us to offer our same body parts that Paul said, give those to God. It's trying to get us to offer those body parts to something evil. And as Paul describes here, he says, as instruments of wickedness. Paul wrote that. That is no accident. It's not a coincidence because that's something that's pushing me in that direction. That is sin. And it is powerful. And, and we know this from the study of the new covenant. We know that the root of all sin is selfishness. It is me making a decision based upon me and what I want over you and what's best for you and over God and whatever his plan is. That's selfish. It is me saying I'm in charge of my life. Okay, Jesus, I will give you some. Absolutely. You're not going to leave here empty-handed, Jesus. I will give you some of my life, absolutely. But I'm going to keep some for myself. You'll have some, but I'm going to keep some too. I'm going to keep some as well. And if that sounds familiar at all, as it sounds familiar to me in my life, that's selfishness. Paul says that is and he's saying, as a follower of Jesus, do not offer your whole self to sin. He says, no, no, no. Offer your whole self. Don't even offer part of yourself to sin. He says, offer your whole self as a living sacrifice. And then, that means he has all of us. But if we choose to offer Jesus some and hold on to some for ourselves, then that's what he's describing as offering parts of our bodies sin. So, here's how I know this is true. Because I know in my life, you may know this for yourself, the biggest regrets that I have had in life are the times when I have chosen to give Jesus some of my life, but to hold some of it back for the things I wanted to do the way I wanted to. And that has led to some of the biggest regrets I have in life. And I carry those with me today. Students, your parents have some. They carry some as well. And they desperately want to help you not have those same regrets. 
I, I believe your parent would probably sound a lot like Paul, and he's pleading with the people in Rome, pleading with them. Listen, please, listen. And your parents probably sound a lot like that. They're pleading with them. Just as God is pleading with them, right, parents? He's pleading with you, right? You're pleading with Wow. Biggest regrets when I gave Jesus a little and I saved a little for myself. Because of that in life, that's when we find ourselves in a situation where this marriage sure is starting to look a whole lot like that last marriage. And this relationship, this friendship with this person, this relationship is starting to look a whole lot like that last. This decision that I'm making and the things that are happening around that decision are looking a whole lot like the same thing that happened last year and the same thing which looks a whole lot like the same thing that happened the year before that. Problem is, again, when we're tossing God a little part of our lives and saving a little bit for ourselves so that we can make some decisions, we don't trust you with that, we can be happy here. Then we began thinking, as Andy Stanley says, I love this. Listen to what he says. That we can pray our way out of something we behaved our way into. Began thinking, oh, it'll be okay because I can pray my way out of this. But it's something we behaved our way into. We're looking at God in that scenario and we're saying, oh, God. God, if he doesn't, which so often he does not allow us to pray our way out of something we behaved our way into, we look at God and we say, God, listen, I thought you were going to take care of that. What is up with that, God? What is up with that? God's looking at us. He's saying, what's up with you? We've already gone over this. No, no, no. What's up with you? Why do you keep giving parts of yourself over to that same sin again and again and again? Why are you giving me some and that sin some? Point is, we do it because it's selfish. But Jesus died so that he could invite us into a relationship with our whole selves, living in a new way, living as he describes a new life. That's fact. Again, that's what Paul declares. So he goes on in this passage. He said, this is the way you worship God. Here's what he says. But rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And he says, and offer the parts of your body, all the parts, whatever it is that makes you, you, all of your parts, inside and outside. He says, offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. So, Here's some real talk for us. 
if we claim for ourselves the title of Christian. Which means this. It means that we say that we believe that Jesus sacrificed himself for us to bring us from this death to life. If that describes us, do we really have a choice? I mean, is it not the most logical thing we can do to find ourselves on our knees before we get out of bed in the morning, on our knees and offering our whole selves Jesus and saying, Jesus, all of this makes me, me, is yours today. Isn't that the obvious choice that we surrender to him fully every single day, offering him our eyes and offering him our ears and our mind and our hands and our feet and our talents, our gifts, our abilities, everything that he passes through our lives, offering that to him. According to Paul, when we do, the result of that is, he says, then for sin shall not be your master. See, if sin is my master, the truth is, my selfishness. We're all mastered by something. We're either mastered by Jesus, and that's going to look like this uh, sacrifice of self, or we are mastered by ourselves. Just kind of tossing Jesus a little loss and saving some for ourselves. But the truth is that God has wired every one of us to thrive as a sacrifice. See, the woolly life is actually opposite of what God has designed us for. Now, what we're talking about in this series, this, this might be a little difficult. I mean, it goes against our nature, that this nature we have, this side of heaven, it goes against that nature of the flesh because our flesh is pushing us every day toward selfishness. So, it is difficult, possibly. But is this complicated? I don't think it's really complicated. It seems like a pretty simple choice. I want to read you a quote. This quote was made in the 1800s. So, the wording is weird. So, hang in here with me, guys. The wording is strange, but this is so powerful. It's a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, if Christ is not all to you, he is nothing to you. He will never go into a partnership as part savior of men. If he be something, he must be everything. And if he be not everything, he is nothing. Oh, powerful. Here's what could be happening in some of our hearts. It may have happened sometime during the past 30 years. We might be thinking to ourselves, you know what, Harley? I do. I, I, I want this. I, I want to be all in. I, I want to be this living sacrifice that Paul talked about. I, I want to stop just kind of tossing Jesus some loss. I actually want to go all in with Jesus. And if you're anything like me at all, 
I have had those thoughts. And then as I move through my week, I'm back to tossing and saving some for how many times have I done that? And then at the end of the week, I'm like, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Why do I keep doing that? Here's the problem. It all goes back to that living sacrifice. Because when we are a living sacrifice, trading what we want, and giving it to God and say, I'm going to take all that you want, God. You can have all of me. Here's the trouble with a living sacrifice. As the week goes on, we just keep crawling back down off the altar. We crawl up on the altar on Sunday, but before the weekend gets here, we have slowly just crawled back off the altar. Last week we said the more that we get to know Jesus, our Savior, our shepherd, the more we're going to be able to trust him, the more we're going to be able to trust his heart. In other words, what he intends for our lives. The more we know him, the more we will trust him. And if we don't trust him in an area, we crawl off the altar and we opt for a transactional relationship with Jesus, which says, okay, Jesus, you can have some but I'll take it in this area, and I'll make the If we don't trust him, we're entering into a transactional relationship. And we're like, Jesus, I'll take everything you give me. Let me jump in that treasure box. I will take all the treasures you have for me, but here's what you can have. But it's trust. Trusting our shepherd and his plans for our lives and his heart and his intentions toward us. It is trust that allows us to lay our lives in his hand and stay there as a living sacrifice. We can learn, we will learn that we can do that no matter what's going on around us. We can trust him, we can trust his heart. Trust him with our lives. What is your brutal reality? Our next step this week is a question, actually. The question really boils down to this Are we offering Jesus some wool as a transaction? One transaction at a time. Jesus, okay, you can have this. Okay, you can have this. Okay, you can have this. Or are we offering him our whole sacrifice lives, laying our lives in his Regardless of what your answer is to that question today, here is what we hope that you'll consider. Now, if you are serious, if something inside of you has said, yes, that's what I want. I want to move in that direction. I want to move in that direction of being a living sacrifice. If that is what your heart has said this morning, we have information for you. And it's something between you and God. No one else may ever know about this. Just you and God. And what I'm getting ready to say to you next is not one of those shoulds that we talked about two weeks ago. In other words, I know I should do this, so I'm going to do this. No, no, no. It's not a should. Don't even consider this if it's a should. 
But do consider this. If your heart is compelled, say, Jesus, I want to be that. I want to be that living sacrifice. We're going to ask you, if that is you, then would you consider developing a habit of every single morning offering your body as a living sacrifice? I mean, literally, actually waking up every morning and starting off with a habit that says, God, I am offering you my hands and I'm offering you my feet and, and my eyes and my ears and my head, my thoughts, my emotions, my mind, my creativity, my whole self. I'm offering it to you. God, I am surrendering my life to you today. We're going to challenge you to make that a habit every single morning, maybe even multiple times during the day with every decision that you face to say, God, this is all yours. So what now? What do you want? I trust that your plan is God, what do you Because ironically, in God's kingdom, sacrifice is actually the freedom. That means the most logical thing that we can do every single day because of that sacrifice that Jesus made for us is for us to actually trust him with every single part of our lives. Every single part. For us to climb onto that altar every single morning and give him control of everything about us throughout this day. Will you join us in that? It's not a should, but if you are compelled, 